Welcome to another story podcast from The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Sandra Lynn Johnson at our live storytelling event at the end of March when the theme was Second Chances. Sandra Lynn has lived in southwest Colorado for 37 years. She loves animals, nature, and people, has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling, and currently she's in the process of becoming an equine-assisted therapist. Singer Annie Lennox expresses her life philosophy best. I believe in the power of creation. I believe in the good vibration. I believe in love alone. Here's Sandra Lynn's story. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, in the Sun Valley Housing Projects. I have three sisters and a mom, and we were poor, and uh, we grew up with no dads to speak of. We didn't have a car. And my mom's name was Opal Naomi, and uh, my mom had red hair and blue eyes. And when my mom drank alcohol, she became a totally different person. It was like she was demon-possessed. She was abusive to the point of torture. Um, On a few different occasions, she held a loaded gun to my head and threatened to kill me. Um, She was neglectful to the extreme, um, so much so that all three of my sisters and I have been raped at least once. I was raped three times uh, by three different men before the age of 13. And my mom did what I call these all-night hell-raising sessions. And uh, you could always see them coming, um, because by midday, she'd be half drunk, and she'd be chain-smoking her cigarettes and drinking her beer, and she'd be sitting in her chair and just grumbling to herself, and her foot would be, you know, just going. And this would go on all day. Then about 11 o'clock at night, and it was like a storm brewing. About 11 o'clock at night or when I was asleep, she would come bursting into my room and screaming and yelling and calling me all kinds of names and beating me. And uh, this would go on into the wee hours of the morning and it happened my whole life. Eventually, when I got a little bit older, I took to jumping out the windows or bolting out the door uh, and I would stay in an unlocked car or Um, in an empty housing unit. I couldn't go to my friend's house because A, it was usually like 2 o'clock in the morning, and B, uh, the people in my neighborhood nicknamed my mother Crazy Red, and they didn't want her looking for her child with a shotgun. So one night, um, or one day after one of these all-night hell-raising sessions, I was about 15 years old, and I finally get up, and it's a summer day, and I go outside, and um, I'm exhausted. I sit down on the green grass, and I put my back up against the cool brick wall of our unit, and um, I crack open a nice cold Pepsi, and I light up a marble red cigarette, and I take a long drag, and I look up to the blue sky, and I look over to the peaks of the mountains, and I say, if you're out there, if anybody's out there, you gotta get me the fuck out of here. And right about then, my little sister comes around with her friend, and they just 
sit over here and they're just talking between themselves and one says to the other, well, let's get Shirley. No, Shirley can't go. She's got all those kids to take care of. Well, what about Gloria? No, Gloria's mom hardly lets her out of the house to go to school. Finally, I say, what are you guys talking about? They say, we're trying to get one other girl to go to this church camp for two weeks up in the mountains. And the bus leaves tomorrow. I said, I want to go. They said, you're one year too old. I had just turned 15. I said, I'll get mom to lie, which was a big deal because my mom didn't like to lie, especially to church ladies. So, but I was desperate. So I go in and mom's just getting up. She's got a robe on and she's drinking her five cups of coffee and smoking her cigarettes. And I could tell she did not want to be bothered. But I braved it anyway and I sit down and I tell her the story and she just keeps looking at me, smoking her cigarette. And finally I say, look, I'll pay. I'll pay Teresa's way, I'll pay my way, and I'll give you some money if you let me go and if you lie to the church lady. Because I had some money. I was selling pot, I was flunking out of ninth grade, so they put me into this um, school to work program. Anyway, finally she says yes. And so I'm in that van with 11 other girls uh, from the Sun Valley Housing Projects, stuffed like sardines into the van with no air conditioning, I remember that. And we arrive about seven hours later in Durango, Colorado. And I, as, the, as the van's going up the hill to the camp, I read the sign and it says, Welcome to Crossbar X Youth Ranch. And Crossbar X is written like a cattle brand. So it's the plus, the minus, and the X. And I think, oh shit, I hope this isn't a math camp. <laughs> <clears throat> but it wasn't. And it was the best time I'd had in my 15 years of life. Um, we had three home-cooked meals a day, plus dessert. Um, we got to play in the pond, and we got to ride horseback, and um, we heard a lot about Jesus, and the people were kind and genuine. And I decided towards the end of the camp, if this is Jesus, I want to be a Christian. So I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and became a real nice kid for the rest of the time. But I went back home, and everything went back to the same. In fact, it felt like it got worse. Um, and I went back to selling pot and flunking out of 10th grade now. And, you know, in my neighborhood, you either beat them, joined them, or you left. So I had to join them. And about nine months later, it was about this time of year, uh, another all-night hell-raising session with my mom. Finally, I decide, I'm just gonna get up and go to school. It doesn't matter if I'm flunking out. So I'm standing in front of the mirror, curling my hair, which I curled it for you guys tonight. I haven't done this since I was 15. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm curling my hair, and here comes Opal bursting, and usually by seven, she's asleep. But she comes, and where the hell do you think you're going? I said, I'm going to school. She said, the hell you are? And she slaps me so hard across the face that the curling iron burns my face. And this moment, after 16 years of this abuse, I finally defend myself, and I, I, I mean, I snapped. And I grabbed her by the shirt, and I banged her up against the wall so hard with some kind of inhuman Hulk-like strength. And in that moment of surprise, I look her in the eyes, and I say, I'm leaving here, and I'm never coming back. And I walked out of that house right then with the clothes on my back and a pack of smokes in my pocket, I lived with friends, I lived on the street. Um, and then eventually a friend of mine who had moved out of the projects got me hooked up with this 
this agency and they were helping me get a job and they were helping me uh, get an apartment. Um, but then I got a call from my little sister and she said, hey, the camp is trying to get a hold of you again. And they want you to call them. Plus I have a bag of clothes for you because mom threw all your shit in the dumpster. <laughs> so I called the camp and they said, hey, we want you to come back for a three-week discipleship program. I said, great, but you're going to have to call my employer and call my job and get them to hold my spot so I have something to come back to. And so, you know, about a week later, um, I was on my way to camp and uh, renewed my vows. And um, the people who ran the camp, which was Paul and Mary Lemon, asked me to live with them. And so I did. And I never went home. And I was able to graduate from high school. And a few years later, um, I put myself through Fort Lewis. And around about the time I was graduating from Fort Lewis, I circumstantially came to find out that I was a full-blooded lesbian. <laughs> and this didn't sit real well with my church or, you know, what they taught me or what they taught me about God. Uh, so I broke up with my church and I broke up with my God and that was a really big deal because I was a devout Christian. Um, but I knew that this lesbian thing just wasn't a phase because the very first time I was like, the hills are alive, <laughs> you know. But eventually I, you know, developed a whole new community of friends and I went back and got my master's degree in counseling and did that for a while and I had relationships and I had houses. But somehow or another I always made a mess of everything. And eventually I came to find out that I had become a full-blown alcoholic, just like my mom, except not as mean. And uh, about four years ago, I got help with that through a 12-step program, and I started seeing an equine-assisted therapist. Um, so that is therapy with a horse. And um, as she's having me stand in front of the horse, my body next to the body of the horse, she has me access presence, which is feeling the wind in my hair and the sun on my skin and smelling the smells, horse poop, um, and listening to the birds. Um, just in that process right there, all the anxiety that has always seemed to live in my body my entire life just begins to melt away. And that's before we even start talking um, or even getting on the horse. And as a result of my experience, um, I've come to uh, rediscover my passion for horses and for people. And right now I am in a two-year equine-assisted therapy program, and I'm getting my counseling license reinstated. I take my test on Friday. <laughs> Wish me luck. So all I can say is, and all I know is that if I can spend the rest of my life getting to know horses and helping others heal from their pain, um, I'll be a real happy camper. Thank you. Thanks to Sandra Lynn for telling that story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share these stories with your friends. And to find out what the themes will be at upcoming events and to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to our website at ravennarratives.org, check out the events page, and then fill out the form on the contact page to pitch your story. 
The Raven Narratives also offers group and one-on-one storytelling services to support organizations and businesses. More on those services is also on our website. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there, taken by the incredible McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her photography services for shooting your portraits or special events at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Sandra Lynn has lived in the Drankus. 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 <laughs> like you it. just created a new place. Drankus. Drankus. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. <laughs> Where Mangos. are you from? Ah, Drankus. I, I hang out in the Drankus area a lot. I was just over in Drankus the other day. I'm... Sarah's lived in the Drankus area for... <laughs> 28 years. (laughs) She loves paper crumpling, spitting on a microphone, and also otherwise being very distracting to a process that's well underway. Tom Yoder. 58 minutes underway. (laughs) Oh my God. Almost an hour. It's real. It's becoming real. Oh my God. We've almost been together now. (laughs) Tom's been an archaeologist in Durankus area for a long time. In fact, he discovered Durankus and the people of Durankus. The ruins of (laughs) Durankus. The ancient city of Durankus, which is now underwater. (gasps) It's true. Oh my God. There were unicorns. Ancient Durankus unicorns. <laughs> they were beautiful. Boxes and Beautif- unicorns. They were beautiful. <laughs> and magical. And they had glitter and car hearts. Yes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> all right. Here we go. I think we just ruined it all, but now it'll be all right. It'll, it'll be fine. Okay. <laughs>